from Brable and, um, and and Shane Bowen obviously deserves a ton of credit, but someone's going to step in and fill the role. It's the next man up mentality. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. Happy Tuesday to everybody. We are uh, joining you to this is the show for Tuesday, November the 22nd. November, absolutely flying by right now. I'm joined as always by producer JT. JT, how are you? I'm good. You were totally right about that. It seems like just yesterday we were getting into the November after your wedding and honeymoon. And now look, we're about to embark on Thanksgiving this week. And then, of course, December's right around the corner with Christmas. And, it, you know, yeah, exactly. it seems that it's just kind of like a podcast roulette this last week and a half. We're we're pushing out the content, but it's on, on what what day it is. It's anybody's going to come. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, apologize for that the past couple of weeks. You know, Titans playing on Thursday night kind of throws the schedule off, even if we're sticking to our schedule. And then I'm pretty sure we said we'd have a show for Monday morning, but after doing a show Saturday, it felt like it was going to be a little bit rushed to have another show Monday morning, and there wasn't a whole lot to talk about, so wanted to give it a day and also wanted to get a guest, and we got a great one for today's show. Um, Austin Huff, He, you know him from Twitter, I'm sure, if you know him from anywhere, Corked Bats. Um, he's a, a radio host in Chicago, as well as of the Tighten Up podcast over at A to Z Sports here in town. And he is one of the most entertaining guys to listen to and had a great conversation with him. So that's the meat and potatoes of today's show. We've also got our Titans news, as always, with producer JT. We'll talk about some things that happened this weekend when the Titans were off after their Thursday night win in Green Bay. And then we will get to a game of the show, which is an exciting one. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about some teams. We're kind of we're just past the halfway point now in the NFL. We got the stretch run coming here. What is seven or eight more games JT left? So we've got two, a little bit less than two months of football left, and teams are kind of settling into um, their their rightful position amongst these standings. You've got teams that are uh, at this point just trying to optimize their situation in the playoffs. You've got teams already packing it in, looking towards the draft next year. You've got a large middle class, lower middle class of teams that aren't in the playoff picture right now but they might fancy themselves a sneaky contender down the stretch. And we're going to talk about some of those teams and whether or not they are dead or alive with the rest of the season coming up here and their chances dwindling. So that'll be exciting. But first, let us get into our Titans news with producer JT. JT, give us the news. Alrighty, let's get into a new segment here on Tuesday morning. And before we talk about anything Titans or NFL related, we have to talk about the best bet gauntlet once again. And if you listened to the show last week, regardless of who won, this show was making you money last week. Combined between yes. me and Easton, we went, what was it? I think it was a 7-2-1 split seven, two there. 7-2-1 yeah. for you guys. So if you listen to the show... You made money last week, of course, Easton. I tweeted it out on Sunday asking people, who are who are you riding with today, JT or Easton? And the correct answer, there was no incorrect answer. The correct answer it was really wasn't. Because yes. you, were, you were making money either way. Yep. Easton, with the slight edge on the day, going 4-1, and one, which will bring now your record to a 
very respectable 30 22 and 3 on the season so definitely right, bringing baby. it on late and then of course after my once again pitiful one and four <laughs> last week <laughs> yeah. i turned it around this week it went three one and one to bring me to a perfect 500 of 25 25 right. and five gonna take a little bit of a little a little bit more from me here down the stretch if i want to come back but still hey, but we're gonna that's try what to contenders want funny. baby what, yes. what do they say you want to be around 500 by thanksgiving and then this is where you turn the gas on so it's time to time for you to hit your heater stretch right here like you did last year down the stretch yep. um, absolutely killing me in our not podcasted version of this game so i certainly <laughs> am not resting on my laurels with my lead but this is the best i've been doing in this competition in a long time and i hope you're betting with me now because you're making money now and i'm sure it will fall apart eventually <laughs> anyways let's move into some just a little couple of titans hits here of course on Tuesday, we'll start to see a little bit more injury report and see where we stand, but just a couple of things. Rookie wide receiver Kyle Phillips is ed eligible to come off the injured reserve this week. Of course, the Titans placed him on IR back on October 25th with a hamstring in injury. And then, of course, a couple other moves. The Titans and, and, getting... and JT, sorry, sorry to pause you oh, there, yeah. but just a note that I picked up right before we, we hopped on the show. Somebody on Twitter, and I, I didn't see who, so I apologize not being able to, to uh, give credit brought up the good point that the titans did and i think you're about to get to this cut josh lambeau the kicker they signed yes. to fill in but they did not fill that roster spot which means that they're going to be leaving it open almost certainly for somebody that they have planned to come in teams don't just leave spots open during the week um kind of indicates at least to me that we're probably going to see phillips or at least they're hoping that we see phillips back on the active roster this week activated from the ir so that's exciting news for this that titans is very exciting passing game that that them. kind of kind of got their legs here last week yeah so as you said the titans cut josh lambeau of course with the return of randy bullock really no need for him randy is the better kicker and then of course signed to the practice thank you for squad. your service mr lambeau <laughs> yes Bye -bye. thank you lambeau for joining us <laughs> yeah. in lambeau and get out <laughs> and going what two two for three on extra points yeah, <laughs> yeah. he missed an extra point and then said i'm unemployed again so <laughs> <laughs> and then signed to the practice squad here wide receiver chris conley who has been up and down on this roster and offensive lineman Eric Smith. So just a couple of little tweaks for this Up and down Titans on this roster. Rock. JT, how, how dare you disrespect the man who in his only start of the year against Kansas City, the Titans receivers went for a combined zero catches for zero yards. How dare you? Hey, maybe they're they're stashing him for a rainy day. Maybe we'll see. I hope not. The, <laughs> the Titans fans should be hoping they're stashing him to just be a warm body. I don't know. You don't ever want to see him back on the field. I can tell you that much. Moving on to one more note here on the news, a little maybe sigh of relief for Titans if you're looking down the stretch here um, with the Colts falling short to the Eagles on Sunday. The AFC South magic number is now four, which basically means any combination of four Titans wins or four Colts losses will clinch the division. So mathematically, if you want to look at it, the Titans could clinch the division by December 4th, which is week 13 and would kind of take a little bit of stress off the shoulders of Titans fans. Yeah, yeah, it, it would be crazy, and it's not all that far-fetched. I don't think that it will be that smooth of sailing. Um, I, I mean, I do believe the Titans are going to win this division for the third straight year. However, I imagine there'll be some hiccups. You know, I, maybe they win their next two. Very possible. Um, they've been hot recently, but they've got a couple of good opponents coming up. And the Colts don't have, I last I checked, I don't think that they have the, the most murderer's row of teams coming up. 
and Jeff Saturday. I mean, I talked in, in the interview we're about to listen to with Austin Huff about the Jeff Saturday era, and we were joking about the, uh, the, the thinking behind that decision. But all joking aside, it was an impressive game from them on, on Sunday against the Eagles, a team that I'm I JT. I know that I mentioned this to you the other you day. Want, you want to break it out? Not yet. But <sighs> I know. Are we breaking I, it out? My tri- no, not yet. But my my trigger finger, my trigger finger was twitching all yeah. day. And if the Colts had closed that game out, and the Eagles had lost two games in a row. This is a take of mine from August or September that I tweeted out and have kind of stashed. And it's looking more and more like it's going to come to fruition. So excited to uh, maybe dance on the graves of the Eagles if they continue to fall apart. But we'll see. They've only lost one game and they they hung on against the Colts team that with Jeff Saturday genuinely looks like they've got some life in them now. JT, watching them with Jeff Saturday now, and it's a very small sample size. All I can think is this is the team that I expected to see this year coming in. Oh, me too. Does that I think think so? Competent, Um, uh, playoff contender potentially, but not quite as good as the Titans, and that's what they seem to be. Yeah, I think you can look just from an offensive standpoint. They they look a little rejuvenated. Uh, You can point to Jonathan Taylor, who's finally gotten his season back on track, and Matt Ryan has started to look a little better. And by the way, having a offensive lineman, former offensive lineman, as a uh, head coach is kind of Put some life into those offensive line unit for the Colts, and they've looked better. Yeah, but of course, right. it, it is entertaining to watch. You know, I was watching a little bit of uh, what is it, Monday Night Football tonight between the Cardinals and the 49ers, and I saw a sneak peek trailer, whatever, that the Monday Night game next week is the Colts and Patriots, I believe. And I oh was boy. like, man, what this game, a coaching this, mismatch! This game, That's this game is gonna suck. And then I realized, hold on. This is going to be really entertaining. Bill Belichick versus the Jeff Saturday era. Is this, that, is that fun? The, is it the greatest coaching mismatch in the history of the NFL? It has it'll to be, be, right? It'll be entertaining to watch. It this is. From that I mean, it, Jeff Saturday is the greenest coach in terms of experience coming in in his third game against quite literally the greatest coach in the history of football at any level. It'll. It's, it's going to be. It's going unbe- to be unbelievable. I'm sure Bill Belichick is um how do you put this nicely uh licking his lips at the idea of getting to coach not against bill Jeff Saturday. i'm sorry they're they're playing the why did i get the max mixed up sorry we can cut this no, no, who are they playing part. they're playing the steelers so mike tomlin oh the Ste- okay no you don't have to we don't yes. have to scrap that because the point still stands mike still tomlin stands, hasn't had a yes. losing season in a decade he's a top five coach in the nfl i think it's still the greatest coaching mismatch of all time yeah it, regardless it was a looking like a boring game upcoming and now with the jeff saturday era something to watch next monday which will be fun and and the and the afc south and east are playing each other this year so i don't if correct me if i'm wrong the colts have not played the patriots yet this year they did so they'll they ha- played, I they think did they already played them play them earlier. yes oh that's a shame because we yeah. could have seen that match all right anyways that'll be an interesting one to watch and uh is that all for the news today Jay? yeah that is it all right that's it we got a light show today on the front end, but we've got plenty of substance for you here. Um, first of all, just have to take a moment to appreciate this has to be the first version of the modern hot read podcast to get through the opening and Titans news before the 15 minute mark. Holy cow. That's crazy. Uh, this, man. <laughs> yeah. And this is never happening again. So enjoy it, everybody. Um, it's for sure not <laughs> happening again. Even on bye weeks, we managed to do better than this, but it's kind of quiet in Titans universe right now. But that's why I wanted to have Austin Huff on Austin Huff. If you know anything about him, he is, um, if there was a, if there was a culture guy in Titans media, 
And it was like, who do you want to talk about when it comes to, to cultural narrative things unless so X's and O's Austin Huff is the guy massive Titans fan forever uh, grew up here. We went to the same high school. We found out in the interview and he is now in Chicago doing, uh, doing radio drive time radio, as well as some other cool media gigs that he's got there going to music, music festivals and all kinds of awesome stuff. He's just, he's kind of a man of the people. And so that's why I wanted to have him on to talk about mostly some coaches in the AFC South. We talked about Vrabel and what kind of coach he is in the league right now, which is one of the best, as well as the Colts situation with Jeff Saturday. And we talked a little bit about the Titans offense. It's a great interview, about 30 minutes. Here we go. Hope you enjoy. This is our interview with Austin Huff of A to Z Sports, the Titan Up podcast. All right, let's welcome into the Hot Read podcast, a guy that I have been wanting to get on the show for a while now. It's Austin Huff. He, you probably know him from of his many endeavors, Corked Bats, as well as being a co-host of the Titan Up podcast with A to Z Sports. Austin, how are you, my man? I'm doing well. The award-winning Titan Up podcast, I should add, because we That's... technically <laughs> won an award uh, that for a category that they made solely for our podcast, but it, it's right. still it technicalities that is an award-winning podcast. I mean, it is an award that was awarded to you. <laughs> so... Um, definitionally you are an award-winning podcast that's crazy we first of all tell tell people a little bit about i'm curious how you you're a titans fan obviously but you don't mm -hmm. you don't live here in nashville you live in chicago if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. yes you yeah you, you do uh you do radio in chicago but not necessarily sports radio so like what's the connection with with titans uh titans twitter and and the titan uh content universe so I grew up in in Nashville. Uh, I'm a Brentwood High School alum. God bless. Hey, and go Bruins. you and me both, man. Awesome. Oh hell yeah. God bless yeah. and go Bruins. The uh, that is yeah. So I um, I grew up, you know, going to Nashville. I remember. I mean, I go back. I remember the NFL Yes campaign to get an NFL team to yeah. Nashville. And so I have been a day one. Well, I'm not going to say a day one fan. When they were the Tennessee Oilers. I was still like a Denver Broncos fan. I remember the game after Christmas, mm. December 26th, uh, 1997, I want to say. They played, I want to say, uh, Randy Moss and the Minnesota Vikings. I wore a Denver Broncos, a John Elway jersey that I'd got the day before for Christmas to that <laughs> game. Yeah. And uh, because I was still a Broncos fan. And then once they became the Titans, I think that's when I went all in. I was like, okay, this is this is our team, new stadium. Yeah. I was like, I was dead set from from game one. And I mean, it's gotten me a lot of pain and grief in my life. But... <laughs> I was about to say, it's probably <laughs> all in all, um, the emotional toll's probably been more negative than positive. But recently, right. not not a bad time to be a Titans fan at all. I I remember my feeling right after the Super Bowl when they came up a yard short. I mm -hmm. I thought to myself, I like I wasn't I wasn't sad. I wasn't bummed. I wasn't depressed. I really? I thought to myself, yeah, I thought to myself, oh, this is like they'll be back next year. Uh yeah. That was yeah. uh what was we're going on what 22 years 22 ago. 22 or so. 3 years now. <laughs> they, they they have not been back unfortunately. Uh, they gotten close a time yeah. or two. I technically but... never specified when they would be back. I just said they would be back. <laughs> okay, right. And so what well, you'd think eventually they would get back one way or another. Um, we, I, we have a number of different things regarding the Titans that we can talk about. But first, I, I need to hear, I guess, kind of your side of the story. There's There's been a long-standing feud between the Titan Up podcast 
and a podcast that is a part of our podcast network, Football and Other F-Words, with our buddy Zach Lyons and Mike Herndon. Um, really just two elite powerhouse Titans podcasts that have been going head-to-head for a while now. And you guys duel, duel it out basically annually when it comes down to awards season around here. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, there was a, a, a moment in time that kind of broke Titans Twitter for a moment <laughs> when you had, you had Uncle Mike Herndon on the show and you got him to say that your show is better than his own. What, I how mean, exactly did that come to fruition? I mean, did he Freudian slip? Did you, I mean, did you coerce him? Look, I, I mean, I, I like to think that I'm, I'm pretty good at editing audio, but that I think any, anyone, anyone with any FBI or detective would be able to tell you right. that, that, that audio was not doctored. Uh, in fact, no, we have video of it as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah, we just asked him, like said, you know, Hey, Mike, like, where do you come out on this whole feud? And he said, look, I've always said your podcast is better <laughs> than the F words pod. And I was like, look, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not right. going to disagree with you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Plus I feel like Mike Herndon is the go-to authority on all things Titans football outside of say a Jim Wyatt, but Jim works for the Titans. Sure. So I think, I think Mike Herndon is like your go-to source. So if he's going to sit there and say that, Titan up podcast is the best Titans podcast out there. I mean, like I'm, I'm again, I, I don't see how you can disagree with them. It's an odd stance from him when it's his own show, but I'm, I'm with <laughs> you. I mean, when, <laughs> when, when, when I think Mike Herndon, it's balanced, mm-hmm. nuanced, yeah. fair. Right. And so in, I, in fact, I've told him, I've told him like, whenever I come up with like a Titans take, I, I always scour his Twitter timeline to make sure I'm not like too far in left field. Like if I'm like, if I'm going to come to the defense of like Ryan Tannehill or, or say like, Oh, Malik Willis didn't play that bad. You know, like I always like check his timeline to see if it's like, okay, if at least I'm in like the ballpark of what a fair and balanced take is like, that's how I view. He is the, he's the measuring stick for Titans Twitter and if for him to say that, I mean, like, look, I'm not going to I'm not going to disagree with them. I, no, I, I know like... he's like it, with the with the Internet meme where it's like the nine boxes, like neutral, evil and chaotic. Like he is yeah, true. Yes, he yes. is center neutral. Right. He is the the uh, the litmus test for for whether or not you're insane. And so if he I mean, if he thinks it, then I don't know. I feel like he's an authority on those things. So right. that I right. guess we've settled it here and we can we can move on from that. But. Um, here's a take for you, by the way. Agree or disagree? Mike Vrabel, best coach in the NFL right now? Ooh, ooh. Is there oh. – let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. You have to start a franchise today. You get to pick from the existing head coaches as a pool to to start building your franchise around. Is there anybody you're taking before Mike Vrabel? Is the am I of abled, abled mind and spirit? Is there any – are there any uh... – uh, drugs, maybe pills in my system whatsoever. No, nope. okay. Well, I was gonna say Jeff Saturday then. Uh, <laughs> you get a little loose, and then Jeff Saturday's like, mm-hmm. I mean, why? I mean, looking. look, he's never coached before. How do we know he'll be bad? <laughs> it's, I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I actually, I, I actually do love that, and I love that. Jeff Saturday came out and won the first game. Like that was, I know that almost was, won again. I mean, they and almost was, beat the best an, team in the NFL. <laughs> it was an, it, it was an impressive look for him yesterday. And it's more than anything to me, it's kind of embarrassing uh, for like 
the the coaches fraternity who like hold themselves in high esteem and they're like, you guys just don't know how hard coaching is. And this yeah. guy can get off his couch. She was tweeting about fantasy football right. 10 seconds ago. And Which just, the, the just irony of role. the irony of guys like Rex Ryan and Bill Cowher coming like blasting, mm-hmm. blasting Jeff Saturday for getting a coaching job without experience when they literally went into broadcasting without experience. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got people working their way up. It's the exact same thing that this they is, did. Yes. So you really can't. And I'm not, I look, do I think it was a dumb decision to hire Jeff Saturday? Yeah. I thought it was one of the dumbest decisions ever made by the Colts franchise, which uh, is a high bar, but yeah, I, it tops starting Curtis painter at quarterback for a season. <laughs> Yikes. That, yeah. Then that was a really bad decision. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I think, uh, I, I'm not, I, 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 but I, for a guy like me, who's like, I just root for team content. It is tremendous content. You know, it's, it's like that Darren Ravel tweet. Like I hate this for the Colts, but it is tremendous content. It, it, exactly. It is. It is. And, um, you know, it, I, I could have understood the hatred surrounding that hire more if it was a true coaching hire, like, Hey, start of the, we, we off season, we're bringing this guy in. We, but yeah, when it's, when you got to have somebody to fill the stop gap, maybe everybody's, everybody's, you know, all up in, in uh, Jim Ursay's grill for, for making this choice, being a moron for making a horrible choice. Maybe he's a secret genius because he thought, <laughs> let me just hire the least capable guy ever so that we can tank the season. But then, He's proven not a secret genius and actually a moron because he accidentally hired a guy that seems to be decent at coaching. Yeah. Well, and the the the, the thing for him is like it's good. Like he hired him as an interim head coach. It's yes. not like there's no strings attached right here. It's like no. I it's you know like I'm they not. They literally asked Saturday like, do you think you're going to stick around after this year? And he's like, I don't know. We'll see. Right. I mean, I, we'll see how it goes. It, it's like I'm not one of these guys, but I feel like it it would be like hooking up with a girl who's like in town for the summer. You know, it's like it was convenient. I mean, it's like, right, right. It's like, it's like, look, there's no strings attached at the end of the summer. You know, we could, we could totally end this, but if it does, you know, if we do end up getting married, you know, then I look like a genius. So exactly, exactly. Um, I, but to answer your question, no, Mike Vrabel, I honestly, and this is, it's hard for me to put all bias aside when I'm as diehard of a Titans fan as I am, sure. but all bias aside, I would take. Okay, maybe Andy Reid. Maybe Andy Reid just with his offensive mind. I can respect that, yeah. But other than Andy Reid, and even Andy Reid, like without the talent, if he doesn't have a Patrick Mahomes and or a Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, remember what Andy Reid was before the Chiefs? Even the early few years with the Chiefs when he only had Alex Smith, he was a laughing stock. Like we would always crack Andy Reid jokes. But if he's got if he's got the talent, like Andy Reid right now, but other than that, I think Mike Vrabel, I mean, like, it's hard to go. Mike Vrabel gives the Titans respect that the Titans wouldn't get otherwise Yep. with just their roster right now. And that's with yes. Derrick Henry. That's, you know, with Ryan Tannehill playing, you know, a balling out like he did on Thursday night. Like, I, yeah, that is. Well, when you hear Mike national Vrabel, media members give, give credit to the Titans, sometimes begrudgingly on a Monday yeah. morning after they win. What is the thing that they they usually go to immediately? Like, man, Mike Vrabel, he just has those guys in shape right. and, and gets the more out of those guys than anybody else could. It's all about how he's a fantastic coach, which can be annoying as a Titans fan, but also it's not an unfair point. No, it's a great thing to honestly, like, look at the, I mean, and I, I view it as like the way the Patriots did, like the two people that got all of the love for the Patriots run, 
Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Yep. Okay. Right now, the two people getting all the love for for the Titans, Derrick Henry, Mike Vrabel. Like, I'm okay with it as long as you're breeding success. And yes. Vrabel has got like a mindset, and I, it's it's frustrating in the sense that like Vrabel brings in guys, and John Robinson, uh, in accordance with him, mm-hmm. they bring in guys that fit the mold of a Titan. And so when you, it's frustrating as a fan because like when you see guys like Odell Beckham being shopped around. Obviously, a wide receiver who can take the top off. You of just defense. know it ain't happening. It's just, it's you would love happening. for that to happen in Tennessee, yeah. but you know it's not going to because they only get guys who fit the Titans' build. And it kind of it reminds me of like, like the St. Louis Cardinals. And the Cardinals annoy the hell out of me in the baseball world because like they always go for guys with the Cardinal way. And if you don't mm-hmm. fit the Cardinal way, and that's why they always miss out on a lot of free agents. But it's so people can tout the Cardinal way. There's somewhat of like a Titan way going on right now. And I, I hate that because I hate that term and that, you know, that blanket statement of the way the Titans run their franchise. But there is becoming this like feeling of the way the thing is being run. And it, and it stems from the top down. And Vrabel is a, is a huge part of that. Guys enable like his mindset and his just work ethic and his demeanor when they yep. take the field on on Sundays. The culture definitely looms larger than life, and it seems to the kind of the legend of it continue to build. Um, it, I, I do. Fi- I think it's a fascinating conversation because, like you said, you see these te- these teams like I mean, it's really it's it's not a carbon copy of what the Patriots did um, or are. Yeah, but, it, but, it's, but very it's very similar. Similar. It, very it feels similar. that way, right? And and this is this is a good guy of Rabel who he. Not only did he did he play for all those years with the Patriots, but think back to his college days, Ohio State. He was at Ohio State when you know they were they were ripping off national championships uh, under Trestle. I want to say I believe he played. That sounds right. Under Trestle, um, but but regardless, like he went to a a, a large program that had, like developed its, itself into a national Winning power. Court. Yep. In the early days of it becoming a, a a national power. So I don't know. I just think like Vrabel, I, I just love the fact that he, as a Titans fan, has there ever been a week where you didn't think the Titans had a chance to win? Not, not as long as Mike Vrabel has been the coach. Yeah. I mean, like even like against like the Bills on Monday night earlier this year or uh, you know, against the Chiefs a couple weeks ago with Malik Willis. Like mm-hmm. when Ryan Tannehill was announced, he was out for that game. It was like, man, I don't think we're going to win. But and there's always that but with the with the exactly. Titans, like yep. because of the way Vrabel like runs his team and with the way his defenses play. And I don't know. I'm just I feel very, very grateful to have Mike Vrabel as the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you you make a, a great point that it really shouldn't be all that surprising to anybody that Mike Vrabel does maybe a better job than anybody right now instilling a winning culture with the Titans, because before he was a head coach, all he did as a player was exist within winning cultures at Ohio state mm-hmm. and then new England and then Kansas city at the end of his career. Like he, and then, and the Houston Texans <laughs> Yeah, well, as a player, as a player, as a player, uh, and then, and then as a coach, he decided to dabble in what it means to be a loser so that he could know to avoid those things. At all costs. <laughs> right. And know so, what not to do. <laughs> exactly. He had to get both sides of the, uh, the coin he had to learn the hard way, but it, it, it's interesting. The conversation around, like you said a moment ago, when these teams that that culture is the forefront of their team, 
and they don't I mean there's kind of a choice there when you're team building right like you can build around players and personalities and go as they go kind of I mean kind of like the Rams they've got a, a good head coach with a strong culture but they go as their stars go very top heavy team yeah with with the team like the Patriots or with the Titans right now they do miss out on some of those star players because it's just as important to them that the guys they bring in are a cultural fit as it is that they're good players yeah, um, or a scheme fit or anything like that. And that can be frustrating when there are these big market guys that you would get otherwise. And I mean, you saw like the Patriots went out and broke their own rule, like one time ever with Randy Moss and it just worked because he was a superstar, but the Titans <laughs> yeah. really have, they, I guess the Titans tried to do that with Julio Jones a little bit also did not really work. Um, and Randy Moss <laughs> and, and Randy Moss and Andre Johnson and uh, the, la- yeah, yeah. the laundry list of great Titans, uh, former Titan greats, uh, Adrian Peterson. <laughs> um, so it's, but, but I, do you, do you think, I don't know. I, I saw on Twitter earlier this week, a, from uh, the guy, Jason is his first name. I don't know his last name. He's the guy that runs over the cap and he put out a chart of all the team's payroll um, charted alongside their record, their success this year. And it was like there was no team in the league besides the Giants, who Brian Dable has been doing a great job overachieving so far, but I kind of think that the magical September and October for the New Jersey teams are coming to an end here shortly. Um, yeah. Rough weekend for them, at least. Seriously. Bes- besides them, there's no team in the league, even in the stratosphere of where the Titans are in terms of succeeding, being in the upper echelon of winners right now in the league, but also their payroll. I mean, you got the 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 Dolphins and the Chiefs a million miles in the expensive direction. The Titans are just chilling in like the middle class zone. And it's like well, that that's not surprising at all because that's what the Titans do. They they only uh, they don't operate as individuals. They operate as a as a as a unit as a collective, yeah. and they they win or lose that way. Do you, do you, I guess my question in a roundabout way is as people often get frustrated with that way of team building, does it make sense to you rationally that that's the way that it has to be when this is the way that they try to play? Like, do do you really think it would be, I mean, they, the coaches seem to think if you were to break their, if they were to break their own rules and go get these guys and bring them in and not in, you know, break their cultural rule fit because they're a great player, that things would start to fall apart internally. But, do you think that that's really a reality? I mean, with like Odell Beckham sitting out there and these guys, yeah. fans are like, we'll never get him, but I'd like to get him. Do well, you really think I, I, they're right about that? Well, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's a little twofold. Right now, the Titans, they definitely get more from less. The more yeah. they get more with less. And they are they and again, going back to 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 Vrabel, just the way that he can. I mean, look at the defense this year alone. This is one of the top defenses in the NFL, and it's and that's with the number of injuries that they've sustained. I mean, they had a game without Jeff Simmons the other day, and they racked up six sacks. Like that—that's absurd. Like that is, and that just that just shows you that from Vrabel and um, and and Shane Bowen obviously deserves a ton of credit, but from a defensive standpoint, these guys know how to. It doesn't matter who's playing; someone's going to step in. And fill their role. It's the next man up mentality. I kind of wish yep. we had a little bit more of that on the offensive side of the football, but mm-hmm. obviously we all know our frustrations with Todd Downing. I, to me, I, 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 so that, that to me is important. And I think that's huge. If you can have that as a team, I mean, it, it, that it, and not to 
keep making the the Patriots parallels, which if you ask Trey Wingo, uh, who tweeted earlier this week that Vrabel is the best <laughs> branch off of the Belichick coaching tree. Yeah. Um, it, it, at least a good thing Trey hasn't uh, worked in the NFL for the last, uh, what, 25 plus years. Um, I, I, I think that going, by the way, he, re- a, he responded to somebody who called him out in the, in the, uh, what did he say? I didn't tweet. see that. Some, somebody was like, Vrabel's not in the coaching tree. And he <laughs> quote tweets, well, duh. Well, hey, what do you, Trey Wingo, but, man? But, I, but you just, never mind. Anyways, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not the be- best Trey Wingo, but I will say he is the, <laughs> he is the best branch from the NBA inside the NBA coaching tree. Uh, I, so, oh, <laughs> uh, that's I, funny. There is that there's that Patriot way when it comes to the Titans in the sense that like it was always that when they were having their success, it was like, you know, you would have like um um uh, like just random guys like Troy Brown play both sides of the football, you know, yep. just step up and have success because of, of how well coached the team was. Titans are getting that. Now, do I wish that they would break their mold and sometime, I don't know, spend a little bit of money, you know? Like I, I grew up, my my parents were uh, you know, we, we, we didn't struggle with money growing up, but my parents were always kind of, for the most part, frugal with money. Like they wouldn't yeah. just spend just to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, like we would only eat out at restaurants if we had a coupon, you know, like that type yep. of stuff. You're getting water. You know, yep. Every once in a while, I would love to just go to cheesecake factory without a coupon, mom, you know, <laughs> yeah. is that possible? Mm-hmm. The, the Titans feel that way, uh, right now. But I do think we're getting to a pushing point. And I don't know if the Titans will realize this. I think they should. But I think we'll get to a point here soon. I don't know if we're there yet, but we're very close to where the Titans have built a culture and a reputation around the league where you can't count them out ever. And to me, you can and actually, I, and many do, but you shouldn't. Well, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think people will realize like, Oh, it's something much more deeper ingrained in the DNA of the entire franchise. Yes. With it's almost like the Steelers, you know, there were a lot of yes. times, many years where no yeah. one was picking the Steelers to be their Super Bowl winner, but they weren't surprised when they were making the playoffs every year. Mm-mm. I feel like the Titans are getting there and eventually it'll get to the point where you can go out and get an Odell Beckham or a, a hot name free agent. And that free agent will want to mesh to the mold as opposed to being the yes. outlier. If that makes sense, you know, like yeah. coming in, Antonio Brown will want to fit the Titans mold and will maybe change his act or his work ethic and, and to be, to fit in with the culture here, as opposed to I'm going to do things my way. I think the Titans are close to that. I don't know if they are or not, but I'm hoping if and when they do get to that point, then they will have more, um, I guess, just willingness. Uh, yeah, willingness and just like trust in getting guys from the outside to bring them in, even if they don't quote unquote fit the mold. Right. Well, it, it would it would have to be you get to that point and you have to trust that the culture that we've built is so strong that there is no individual that can can stir this pot in a way that makes things boil over right yeah. and and that's what they'll have to do because as you're as you're talking about them essentially boiling down what you just said is the Titans continue with their culture and their coaching to raise their floor and like the Steelers for years 
even though you may not think that they're the Super Bowl team, you can't count them out. And every single year, you're like, yeah, that team, that culture, that coach, probably going to make the playoffs somehow. I don't know how. Right. I don't know with who, but they're going to get there. <laughs> That's And there's a handful of teams that have been like that, right? It's the Steelers. It's the Patriots. Yeah. The team that came to mind for me in this discussion is the Packers that for the longest time, that's the way that they operated, right? Like we want to maintain a winning culture. We're never going to sell out, you know, just sell the farm to, to go all in one year. We're going to try to be, you know, a, a 10 win team every single year and get bounced in the first, second, third round of the playoffs. But that's, that's the point. I think the, the Packers are kind of a cautionary tale for the Titans because as you become one of those teams in the league, you have to, like you said, be willing to go out and make those, leaps or else you end up like the Packers, right? The Packers yeah. can continued to not pull the trigger and do the thing that they needed to do. The one or two moves they needed to make that would put them over the top right. and they didn't. And, and so fans get restless when your floor is so high, but you refuse to raise your ceiling along with it. People enjoy the winning for a while, but you reach a point where that's the new expectations. Like, okay, of course we're going to win 10 games. Then what? And they have to be able to they have to be willing to go get guys to do that. The Packers got their Super Bowl, though, in 2010. So if the Titans want to go ahead and win the Super Bowl this year, I'll give them 10, <laughs> 10 years of futility okay. of not getting free agents. I will gladly accept that. So okay, I'll take I'll one Super Bowl. I, I, I yeah. Speak to <laughs> yeah. yeah, please do. Just just to, hey, hey, by guys, the way, just win this I year. I spoke to Austin Huff, and he's totally cool if you win the Super Bowl that you could just do whatever for the next decade. Right. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that, mm -hmm. Eason. Yeah, just because I, it's it – I – but you're right. There is a, there is a, you can only, you, you can't, you can't put up with like the, oh, I'm better than this free agent. Or the, the thing that really irks me right now with NFL teams, and it, it's not just the Titans issue. The Titans struggle with this issue, but it's, it's almost every NFL team. They put so much value in draft picks. They, yeah. they use draft picks like it's, it's straight up capital. And they are going to, you know, collect it like it's money or spend it like it's money. I, to me, draft picks are, and we as Titans fans should know better than damn near anyone. Draft picks are what? hit or miss. Most of the time miss. It it's is like going to the grocery and trying to pay for your milk and eggs with lottery tickets. And they're like, we yeah. can't accept this form of pavement. What are you talking about? Yeah. We don't even know if you've won the lottery yet. You know, like that <laughs> is, that is scratch them off. Let's see. Right. That's exactly what the, what it is. And I think the, the Rams will just last season proved to more than anyone that you don't need the draft capital. You can FN trade picks, away man. all your draft picks, get talent, get good guys in your house and then you can go and win the damn Super Bowl. Yeah. And I feel like more teams should take that approach. Like if, if I'm, and again, this guy was, and this is like kind of goes against the balance of the Titans choosing guys their way. But like if the Titans would just spend and go out and get talent to me, that would, that would put them over the edge. And talent can overlook mistakes like uh, in the Bengals game last, last playoffs which i know like we we constantly go back to that but uh, as like the litmus test but if good talent could have outweighed could have outweighed the mistakes, mistakes. that exactly. were made in that game yep. right so like the, the worse you are as a as a roster the more glaring mistakes are 
in football games. So if you just go out and you get good guys and like Julio was non-existent in that game, but like if you, right. if they had another over the top receiver to go along with AJ well, Brown, on that last drive where Ryan Tannehill throws this third interception, if he's not trying to force that ball into NWI in a contested right. spot who, who ends up allowing the interception, frankly, like, yeah, if that's, if that's a better receiver, you can overcome that maybe not the greatest decision to throw the ball. Right. right? Like that's and meanwhile, yeah. In the NFC playoffs last year, you see the Rams fend off Tom Brady of all people in a game because they had the talent. And yes. I, well, Austin, I, two, I, two playoffs in a row. Now you have seen it. You, you have seen almost too too convenient of, of examples. Like last year, it was like the Rams went and won. What did they ride all playoffs long? OBJ just going ham. For three right. straight games, right? Two years ago, okay. The the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. Who scored touchdowns in that Super Bowl? Oh, it was Gronk who they just added. It was Leonard Fournette who they just added, and it was Antonio Brown who they just added. Like that's that is what you literally you go and you get one or two or three guys, and it's enough to put you over the edge like that. Without question, without question, and yeah, uh, there there are obviously there are many holes, especially offensively on this team that they could fill, and that's one of the reasons why I'm like. You know, you're hearing all these reports, OBJ setting up meetings with, you know, the Cardinals and the Cowboys. And it's like, mm -hmm. he's, been, he's been visiting teams like he's on college visits. It's so funny. All yeah, year no. long, he's been doing these college visits to different teams. And they're like giving him, <laughs> I think they're giving him like gift baskets behind the scenes. And like, oh, yeah, uh, he's yeah, kind of whining and dining teams. I, I kind of respect it. Honestly, he's recruiting. It, yeah, it feels very much like The Bachelor uh, mm -hmm. going on one on one dates with all of these uh, with these teams. I just yeah. wish the Titans would give him offer him a damn rose i wish i wish they would i wish they would just at least make the call that's like that's that would even go so far above my expectation for what if john robinson franchise. just held a press conference the day that obj inevitably signed somewhere else and he's like hey guys no questions today just wanted to let you know um just for the record i did i did call he said no but i i made that call all right thanks y'all have a good right. one and but if he paired that with like a couple of tears like he shed after the uh, at the combine this past year uh -huh, you know? uh -huh. to show that like, he really cared he was yes. torn up about yeah now that that i'd, I'd be okay with honestly <laughs> okay i gotcha i gotcha yeah well okay before we get you out of here i got one more question it is kind of segueing that way anyways talking about this offense um there was a lot of talk after the thursday night game this past week about the offense and and really the box score doesn't reflect it nearly as much as it just felt. The, it was kind of just a vibe check with this offense that you felt like there was some life for the first time, yeah, all year. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you are you like are you anticipating that being an aberration and we go back to kind of you know off and on frustration with the Titans offense or do you think as long again as long as these guys stay healthy and with the Titans knock on every tree in the fifty mile radius like if they stay healthy. Do you think this offense does trend in the right direction at the right time down the stretch here? Oh man, I hope. I hope. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say whatever's in the the water that uh, Todd Downing was drinking was working, but whatever was oh, in the water no. is definitely uh -huh. not. <laughs> definitely mm -hmm. not. Look, I, I that it's frustrating because it's like, wow, best game of Todd Downing, obviously in the last two years, I think um, that he called. His play might be calling his best, was on point. 
game as a coach, like in his career. <laughs> Very well it. might be. Very because well all might I be. hear from his time in Vegas was like death and despair. So I like I kind of think if it was the best as a Titan, it's probably the best ever for him. Yeah, he took like what like a nine win Raiders team and and they won like four games the very next season. Um yeah. which I know yeah. that's not entirely on de- on him, but it's it, the similarities are very what similar great. from yeah. his one year in Ra- as an Oakland Raiders offensive coordinator to his one year as the Titans offensive coordinator last year. It's it's eerily similar. But well, clearly, um, clearly he saw that this was going to be his first week of public or like positive press. And he was just like, we can't allow that. I can't. Yeah, he's like, what, what, what are we doing? Like, he had to shut yeah. that down. He staying humble. I respect it. Honestly, is, all, is what yeah. he's about. Stay humble. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, that was, it, it, that was very frustrating. Cause it's like, man, finally, like we want, I wanted to give him his kudos, honestly. Yeah. And I know like a like, long week of kudos. It was going to be especially great. Especially like, yeah, like amongst like th- there was a point in time where like Ryan Tannehill was that guy where like you weren't allowed to say anything positive about him because Titans fans would just fly into your mentions and rip you to shreds for it. Mm-hmm. Now that that has moved to Todd Downing, we have a joke on Titan Up podcast where it's, uh, you know, there's that old tweet where, Every day on Twitter, there's a new main character, and you don't want to be it. <laughs> the same yes. thing is true with Titans Twitter. Every day, there's a new main character with the Titans, and you don't want to be it. For a week there, it was Nick Westbrook and Kine after the Chiefs yeah, game yeah. when he when he was saying, you know, where were where were you guys at the beginning of the season when we were making plays? And it was like, uh, what Nick, plays, Nick? Yeah, you weren't making plays. And then he follows it up with like the best game of his career. Yeah. So it's I it. So the, his time as like the main character was only a week, which was good. Todd, it's pretty much been Todd Downing all season. Yeah. If you know, if Ryan Tannehill struggles or Derrick Henry struggles, it um, all the blame goes to Todd Downing. And now finally, a game happens where you want to give him his props, you want to give him his shine, and then he he just parties too hard. Which if I, I guess if I had the best game in my career i probably would have drank a lot but dude call a damn uber yeah. i i i just i think do i think this offense can repeat it yes i do because i've seen this offense be great before obviously with better pieces last season but i i do think because i think i believe in ryan Tannehill a lot probably to a fault because i've seen him be great obviously you don't you don't go 35 and what 35 and 16 some, yeah, a, something like that. Double as a starter, over, well over doubling your yeah, like that. That's that's incredible. And a lot of people want to yo. We can't win in the in the playoffs. It's like I don't know if I can cuss on here, but it's like, bitch, you can't you can't you can't go to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't go to the playoffs if you don't win in the regular season. The regular season is essentially a playoff, and you have to get there. And then once you get into the playoff, it's anything can happen. Teams can make runs. You just have to get in. And he is, uh, to me, Ryan Tannehill is good enough because especially when you got a workhorse like Derrick Henry, as long as he's, as long as he's not, and he doesn't even need to produce as, as he showed, um, on, uh, on Thursday night against the Packers, he didn't really do much. Derrick Henry, he had, he had one great screen pass that went for a number of yards, but other than that, it was pretty quiet night for Derrick Henry. So like, if he can be like, if he, if Derrick Henry doesn't have to be Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill can throw for 300 plus yards through the air, hell yeah, sign me up. Let's get more of that. And I'm hoping Todd took meticulous notes and said, okay, let's repeat basically what we did. When this team, when this offense is scripted at the beginning of games, obviously in the first half, first quarter, when they're scripted, 
they're as good as any offense in the NFL. Yep. But when they go off script, that's when I, they start to lose it's me terrifying. in that yeah. second <laughs> half. That's when it yeah. gets scary a little bit, but they, they played very well on Thursday and I got to give shine to a guy who has been public enemy. Number one for Titans fans, Todd Downey. Well, Austin, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll definitely have you on again. Tell the people where you, where you can be found on the internet, all of your various endeavors. Uh, my, uh, just on socials, Instagram and Twitter at Austin Huff, uh, hit me up there. I like to interact with people on Twitter. So if you, you if you tweet at me, I try to, I try to tweet back and, um, and interact with, with people. Don't ask me for a follow. I hate that. Uh, it's one of my biggest pet peeves on social media. Hey, hey, you should follow me or show me why you want me to follow. Uh huh. Yeah. Show no. me, show yeah. me why, why I should follow you. And then Submit I will your resume, you. please. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah. And then, and then obviously cork bats, uh, that's cork spelled with a K on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, um, YouTube. We we honestly and anything that I put out or cork bats puts out, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We just try and have fun with literally everything. And the people yeah. that if you're looking to for some serious talk, there's plenty of places on the Internet for that. But you will not find it in my corner of the Internet. Love it. Love it, Austin. Thank you so much for your time, man. We'll have you back soon. Easton, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, before we get out of here on a Tuesday, we got a fun game to play that I teased at the top of the show. JT is going to help walk me through this game called Dead or Alive, and we are going to go through Western style, old Western wanted Dead or Alive poster style with some fun music as well, because we like to go all out for the theming on this show. We're going to talk <laughs> about some teams that are kind of in the bubble right now. They're not in the playoff picture. They're not really on the edge of the playoff picture either. They're two or three out of the seventh seed in their respective conference. But they're not quite dead. This is not, you know, this is not the Bears. This is not the the Texans of the NFL. These are the teams that you could reasonably see going on a run, winning, you know, 75% of the remainder of their games and sneaking in. And I think a lot of these teams are on that trajectory and they're very much alive. Some of them, I think, are kind of masquerading and I think they're already dead, despite the fact that theoretically they could get in. Let's talk about some of them. I believe there's 10 of them, JT. So without further ado, let's play Dead or Alive. All righty, and let's bring up our one of posters hair on dead or alive. I'm not gonna Howdy, do that. Partner. Not, not gonna do that the whole time, but I had to get that out of the way. <laughs> let's bring up our. <laughs> we'll bring up the first one here, who at the time of recording is down 31-10 to the 49ers in hmm. Mexico City. Of course, the first team we're going to be talking about is the Arizona Cardinals, who are currently being led by. If we're doing Western style, probably one of the best names for a cowboy, Colt McCoy, down Colt there. Colt McCoy with in Arizona. Cliff. Yeah. Are the Cardinals there. dead or alive? The Cardinals, I'm afraid to say the Cardinals are dead. And they're dead tonight. They are, like you said, about to lose. We're, I think, almost to the fourth quarter here. Uh, going into this game, pulling it up right now, they were four and six. They're about to be four and seven in. in underwhelming NFC West. It's not a matter of them being in a conference, a division or a conference for that matter, because we know the NFC is so weak this year. It's not a matter of them being in amongst competition that they can't compete with. They can. um, They're not that far back mathematically. However, they are a team that, I mean, it's a tired narrative, but it's true. They, year after year, continue 
to shrink down the stretch. And as long as Kyler continues to have injury issues, which it seems like every time, every year around this time, we're dealing with some Kyler soft tissue injury that's either hampering him on the field or keeping him off the field. Luckily, they have a, a pretty competent backup in Colt McCoy, but he's not good enough to, I think, drag them out of the hole that they've already dug themselves with what I think is a lost season. So the Cardinals are dead. Moving on to our second team, who is wanted dead or alive. The team that the Tennessee Titans beat last week. And of course, they got a gunslinger back there, but he's not he's not doing enough right now to keep them off our wanted poster. So are the Green Bay Packers dead or alive? Partner, they're dead, and this body is still warm. This is a fresh one. The Titans just dispatched the Packers on Thursday night football. I'm old enough to remember to a week ago today, we were all sitting around the metaphorical NFL media content creator table talking about how the Packers might just be poised to get their season back on track. A big win against the Cowboys at home puts them back one game out of being back to 500. All they had to do was beat the Titans, the lowly Titans, on Thursday night football once again at home in Lambeau. They'd be back at 500 and they'd be, like I jokingly said about you in the best bet gauntlet, contenders all they want is to be at or around 500 come thanksgiving because the real i mean the nfl is two seasons folks and as evidenced by the magical new jersey football teams run in the jets and the giants they had a magical september and october but we found out this weekend and i think it's going to continue it's time for the new jersey teams to sit back at the little kids table where they belong and the real Thanksgiving feast is going down with the the real contenders, the, the adults and big boys at the table, are, are coming out to play. And uh, I think that their fun is over. I, here's a random, just you weren't asking for this, but I'm giving it to you because it's on the top of my head. Take, I don't think either of those teams are going to make the playoffs. Anyways, the uh, Packers are dead. To talk a little bit more about them, they would have to, I believe, uh, win out to get to... 10 and 7, which in the NFC, you know, you could sneak into the, play- the playoffs in this NFC with eight or nine wins. However, <laughs> the next two funny. games are tough this for is, them, though. It is. This is what I'm sitting here looking at. The next two games are really tough, and uh, they are in a division with one of the only good teams in the NFC, the Vikings at 8 and 2. They already, the Vikings already have a four game uh, cushion in the win column against the Packers. Um, I believe the Vikings and Packers still play once again this year, and the Packers will go into the, the year, yep. yeah, and the Packers will go into that game as the underdog. I think that it's going to be interesting to see if things continue to. I mean, frankly, if they if they lose any more this season and they get to a nine win ceiling, do we see Aaron Rodgers play the rest of the year? Do we see the Packers finally jog their their guy that's been sitting on the bench for a couple years now, Jordan Love, out there to see what they've gotten him? It's it could get ugly fast, and for a, a coach in Matt Lafleur who had such a not just great but record-breaking first three years of his career in Green Bay in terms of winning, things are regressing to the mean aggressively and dramatically for him. The Packers are dead. Moving on to our third team here, let's talk about one who has had the hangover of their lives this year. Of course, relatable. The Los Angeles Rams, who I think they are currently tied for the worst record coming off a Super Bowl victory. Uh, they I think are. I saw they that. Are. Uh, I, somewhere. They were before this week. They were either tied or we're leading the worst record through nine or ten games for a team coming off of a Super Bowl win. Yeah. Yes. So 
are the Cooperless Cup, might I add now, Rams, dead or alive? Is it the Cooperless Cup Rams or the Cooper Cupless Rams? The Cooperless Cup Rams. <laughs> okay, the no, Cooper. I just wanted to make yes. sure. Okay, so no more, no more, no more cups for Cooper on the Rams, and uh, <laughs> no more, no more life for the Rams either. The Rams are dead, I'm afraid, and this one's not all that shocking. Rams, dead last in their division. The NFC West sitting at three and seven. Matt Stafford came out of concussion protocol last Friday. He's now back in that concussion protocol. Never great. We saw Tua do this early in the year. He went down with what seems to be his second concussion. And any any player that goes down with two concussions in short order like that, they tend to be out for an extended period, especially when their team sucks. And every time they go in there this season, they're getting murdered. The Rams are a perfect cautionary tale of when you sell the farm, you have to be prepared to deal with the back end. And frankly, listen, this is all worth it for the Rams. They got their ring, right? They they went all in. They got their ring. Um, so they're happy now. They, or they should be happy now because selling their soul last season, frankly, has set them up now to be the most top-heavy team in the league in terms of talent. That top-end talent isn't playing and or is hurt or is it playing at a high level excuse me and or are hurt and and when they suddenly don't have cooper cup and matt stafford on the offense there's no longer any plus players on the offense of the starting 11 there's two plus players in matthew stafford and cooper cup and that's it no more odell i don't see any reason why you'd think he's going to come back after the season the rams have had i i would i will eat my shoe live on this show if odell decides to go back to the already dead la rams the rams partner are dead yeah and of course we're looking at this poster here where we say reward good draft position but they don't even have a first round pick this year so it yeah, doesn't really even matter the news but, keeps getting worse, but yes. yeah, they're in the desert for at least the next four or five years. Because listen, we know with this team, they've got a head coach and they've got two stars, one on each side of the ball, and Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford. All three of them have reached the mountaintop. They loved it. They're all at, towards the, they're on the backside of their careers and they've all expressed interest or at least they've expressed that they've thought about hanging them up. And uh, if this team is in bad shape, not just this year, but it, the foreseeable future, Stan Kroenke might have a disaster on his hands. The Rams may look like an entirely different team a year or two from now. So it'll be interesting to watch. Moving on to our fourth one here, the New Orleans Saints, who continue to bring out their hot hand, the Red Rifle. But not, not too hot, actually. No, it's, uh, it's just Dead or alive, the New Orleans Saints. It's more like the red water pistol these days. The <laughs> Saints, um, I didn't, I, I promise some of these teams are alive in my opinion. I, I put them in order kind of randomly. And so far we've had nothing but dead teams. Uh, that's not the case, I think, with the Saints. I'm actually going to call them alive. I think this is the first alive team. But off the top of my head, I think that they're the, of all the alive teams on this list, they are the ones closest to death. And if you were to bet on who's dead next, it's probably the Saints. Listen, third place in their division at four and seven they keep hanging on just when you think they've lost two or three in a row and things are going downhill fast they win a game and this past week they won in pretty convincing fashion against a horrible rams team we'll see if they can keep that up against some competent competition they've got decent weapons you just don't know the names of many of them the defense is kind of up and down but when it's up it's playing really well it's really going to be about quarterback play for them, and it's still the strangest quarterback. Si excuse me, strangest quarterback situation 
in the NFL right now. They, for some reason, have Jameis back and healthy and refuse to play him, which is weird. Um, Andy Dalton has been far from a great quarterback for them. He's been very game managery. He's been good enough to win some games, but is he good enough to lead a stretch down down the end of the year? The stretch run, got to win. You know, you'd think they need to win at least six more games to have a shot. I don't know if they can do that. I can't call them dead just yet, though, because they continue to hang on. And uh, if they if they win a couple more in a row, they'll be back to 500 to start, you know, December and January. And we, we may be seeing this team in a bad NFC make a push to get in. The Steelers are dead. We are now into the AFC portion of the Dead or Alive posters, and things get the bar is higher now, right? The AFC, much better competition. The middle class in the AFC is much more crowded. And the Steelers sitting at three and seven after a tough loss to the Bengals this past Sunday. I think that they'll probably, frankly, I I picked them to lose in this upcoming game against the Jeff Jeff Saturday era Colts, but we'll have to see about that one. Win or lose that game. I still think that this team is dead. Uh, Getting Kenny Pickett in a little bit too late, in my opinion. Trubisky didn't make a whole lot of sense to start the year with. Pickett needs experience. He, He looks like a rookie, but he's shown flashes. He has. He's looked better than I expected him to, frankly, this early. And they've got some weapons emerging there with George Pickens, and uh, they've got a, they've always got decent receivers in Pittsburgh. Their main problem is they they live in the AFC North in a not a running division, but a, a division weather wise, geographically wise, and also style of football wise. You got to be able to run the ball well, and the Steelers sort of can't do that right now their offensive line remains a massive liability Najee Harris is I'm sorry to say not a good football player Um, so I don't see how this team rounds into form in time this year to be any good I think that we might be looking at the first Mike Tomlin losing season of his career which is an astonishing feat and he should be uh, praised for that but I think that it's a reset for them and they'll be back next year moving on let's talk about the rideable Broncos out. Let's ride. Denver. <laughs> it's just, it's just the screen does that. I, c- I couldn't hear you for a long time. You can hear me now. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Same thing. Go, Jump yeah, back you, in. you can just go right into it. The cow the Cowboys. Gosh. The Broncos are no longer riding, and uh, it's is there a team down bad worse than the Broncos right now in the NFL? I'll answer that for you. The answer is no. The Broncos are in the wilderness, and they will be there for the foreseeable future. They are deader than the doornail. Nate Hackett has been a complete and utter disaster. I don't know how he still has a job. He should be fired this week, and if he's not, I don't know what's going on. Um, Russell Wilson continues to look like a complete shell of himself. Um this defense continues to be great for them and yet the offense continues to not score 18 points which is all they need to do to win the majority of their games and they just cannot do it they let go of melvin gordon because he's fumbling in the red zone again i mean it's just an unmitigated disaster a team that many thought could be the contender this year for ooh, big flashy moves in the offseason went and got a a a star quarterback paid him a bajillion dollars went and got a new coach like this could be the team that goes worst to first uh, no, they're worst to worst, and they sold their souls to do it. It's a disaster. They can't move on from Wilson, even though they probably would like to. They have to move on from Nate Hackett. This team is uh, 
is in shambles, and I think that they've already got guys pretty much just checked out on the year. In the AFC West, where the leader is currently the Chiefs at 8-2, and two, the 3-7 and seven Broncos are already dead. The Browns, this one's tough because they've got a guy that we're all aware of coming back to play quarterback for them this week, I believe. Is this week 12 coming up? Yeah, week 12. I believe that's when he's coming back. Um, are they playing the... Are they playing the Texans this week? They are not. They are not. Okay, so it's week 13 that he can come back. I know that the Texans game against his former team is the first game back for him. So one more week, but I know he's practicing with the team, and he'll be back for the final six games of the year for them. The problem is what looked like a good start with Jacoby Brissett and this team doing, ultimately, this is a recurring theme this show, wanting to stay alive to around 500 by Thanksgiving. This team, it meant more to than anybody else because the philosophy would be, hey, let's just try to be around 500 when we get our star quarterback that we paid a bajillion dollars for back and he can lead us down the stretch and into the sunset. Whether that was the right idea or a reasonable idea to begin with, aside, they have dug themselves too deep a hole. They are at three and seven. They are tied for last place in the AFC North. Behind the seven-win Ravens and the six-win Bengals, both teams significantly better than the Browns can be. And frankly, listen, I don't I don't know why anybody would be banking on Deshaun Watson coming back and being a good football player. It's been a very long time since he's played football. In the little bit of preseason action we saw him get this past year in August, or September rather, I, I don't... He looked bad. Like He, he looked like a quarterback who hadn't played in a couple years and uh, the time has only gone on since then. He's still rusty. They've got the weapons and I think that they'll be, you know, they may look good by the end of the year, but it's just going to be too little too late. So the, the Browns, unfortunately are dead. The Raiders again, tough, but the thing that makes it easy for me is their head coach. I do not think that McDaniels, Josh McDaniels is not a good coach. Um, I will continue to believe so until proven otherwise they won a game against a very bad Broncos team in you know exciting fashion good for them they've got weapons their liabilities on the offensive and defensive line are just too much to overcome outside of Max Crosby I'm not sure there's a plus player on that defensive front their run defense is quite bad there's just a lot of things wrong with the Raiders and again they've dug themselves too deep a hole I think the season was washed a while ago they might make some noise and, you know, get close to 500 to finish the year, but that won't be nearly enough in the AFC. So the Raiders and Derek Carr as a Raider is almost certainly dead. Definitely could play spoiler down the stretch here. But moving 100%. on to our second to last one here, Duval, Trevor Lawrence, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Are they dead or alive? So they've got, they've, I've, I put them in order of difficulty and they've gotten trickier down the stretch here. I mean, I think that you could make an argument that they're not dead. However, they're dead. And, and here's why they play in a very soft division in the AFC South. Of course, the Titans are going to win that division. So they have to get in as a wild card. And there are just too many good wild cards in the candidate wild card candidates in the AFC right now. They're not going to be able to contend. I still think they're a year away. I think that next year they will make some noise and be a problem for a lot of people. Uh, I think that they are another team, just like the Raiders, who could play massive spoiler down the stretch. But are they themselves going to be in the playoff race? I don't think so. I think the Jaguars are dead. 
finishing up our dead or alive segment. Kind of the talk of the town of this podcast episode here. His specific team. We're going to end on a really good one and maybe a take that might get a little spicy as Russ and the Danger Witch would suggest. But (laughs) enough about Russell Wilson. (laughs) Are the Indianapolis Colts dead or alive? This is going to surprise some people. Because last year, right before Halloween, when the Titans beat the Colts for the second time in the season, sweeping the season series, taking a three or two or three game lead in the division, I declared the Colts dead. And they, they had no chance to not make, you know, de- not dead from the playoffs. Obviously, they had a chance down the stretch, but dead in terms of winning the division. And I stuck by that even when it looked like they got hot in December. And it was always the case. They were dead from the moment that they lost that game onward. I declared the same thing this year when they got swept once again by the Titans, even er- a week earlier than they had in 2021. But I'm going to I'm going to rescind that statement and say that the Colts are barely alive. Here's why. They've managed to somehow maintain a record sort of around 500, 4, 6 and 1, not totally dead. If they won out, I guess at this point they would be 10, 6, and 1, which would, I think, be good enough to get into the AFC playoffs. If not, they'd be like a first team out kind of thing. I think with Jeff Saturday, the energy that we've seen from this team, and like we mentioned earlier, the fact that this team looks like now under Jeff Saturday what we expected them to be in the begin at the beginning of the year in this season, as long as they continue to look like that team, I don't know why I should think that they can't get hot here down the stretch. And that's what we've seen from the Colts in the past years in, in credit to them because they do this whole veteran quarterback, one-year rental roulette each and every year. They look horrible to begin because it's a new quarterback in a new system with new players, but they gel by the end of the year and they get hot at the right time. It's just too little too late. That I think will probably be the case this year, but I can't declare them definitively dead because I think Matt Ryan has enough juice left. And if this team continues to play at the level they've played the last two weeks, they may could win six or seven down the stretch. Uh, I, I don't know. And if they did, they would be in playoff contention. So I'll say the Colts are barely alive. And that's going to do it for Dead or Alive. JT, thank you for uh, hosting and leading us through that. Thank you guys for listening. A couple things before you go. I'll keep it short because we'll be back in short order for our preview episode on Friday morning. Uh, your Black Friday entertainment will be courtesy of this show, of course. We'll be back for that. Don't miss that. We'll be talking all things Titans and Bengals. And if you have been paying attention to the show at all, you know that JT is our resident Bengals fan, grew up, born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. So he is uh, going to be a fun one to discuss that game with on Friday. But when you come back for content this week, and I know with traveling for Thanksgiving, a lot of holiday festivities going on this week, you're probably going to be in the car or a plane at some point. And we, we're going to have content here for you to listen to. So definitely tune back into the Broadway Sports Media Universe. The Mike Herndon Show will be back this week. And we're going to have a ton of film to go over in the film portion. So many great plays and bits of the game from Thursday night to break down. I've already been talking to Mike Herndon about it. And he's excited. I'm excited. We're going to really probably overdo it, frankly, in the film section. So if you like X's and O's, you got to check that out on YouTube. It's a video show. 
You also need to check out F Words, of course. You need to check out Music City Audible, of course. All of our great shows are here as well as Second and Victory um, on the Broadway Sports Media Podcast Network. Check them all out. They're great. We will be here for you all week long. And uh, like I said, if, if you are not subscribed on YouTube, please go and do that. You can watch this show and others in their video form there. Uh, that's it for today. I won't do any more selling. Leave us a rate and review. We'll shut you out on the show. Um, I won't give the whole show this time, but please rate and review and we will talk about you. Until Friday, this is the Hot Read Podcast for producer JT. I'm Easton Freeze. We will talk to you in a couple of days. Have a thank- have a great Thanksgiving.